Hey guys, welcome or welcome back to the Uncomfortable is Okay podcast. I'm your host, Chris Desmond. Uh, This is a community dedicated with becoming comfortable with being uncomfortable. Uncomfortable is Okay exists to explore the science, stories and strategies of getting out of our comfort zones so we can find where the magic happens. Um, I'm sitting in a hotel room in Queenstown at the moment after just having jumped in uh, Lake Wakatipu with uh, Ben Logan, who some of you guys will remember from a couple of episodes on the podcast, uh, just doing a bit of uh, cold therapy. Uh, so... If I'm slurring my words a little bit, it's because my face muscles are a wee bit frozen. Uh, But today's guest is Tyson Franklin. Uh, Tyson loves a good challenge, whether that's building businesses, writing books, doing a 365-day mental and physical challenge, or hosting a podcast. He does a bit of everything, um, and I just I really like his approach to, to life and to challenge. I first came across Tyson last year on his 365-hour mental and physical challenge uh, when he listened to and reviewed a couple of my podcasts. Uh, So much appreciated for that. Thanks, mate, Um, and, and your takeaway points from that. Tyson since started his own podcast, It's No Secret with Dr. T, which is all about... Uh, earning more, working less, and enjoying what you do each day. So he goes and he speaks with with people um, about all aspects of life and business and how to how to help yourself out. And I was uh, lucky enough to be asked to be uh, the guest on one of his episodes. So if you haven't listened to that one, um, I have a had an interesting chat with Tyson a couple of episodes, and I'll, I'll pop a link to that in the notes for the show. So guys, if you're enjoying what you're hearing and you want to support the Uncomfortable Is Okay show, uh, there are a couple of ways you can do that. Uh, The easiest way, hit subscribe on your Apple uh, Podcasts app or your favorite podcast app. Uh, Leave a review on the app uh, as it helps the show get in front of more people um, and gets this message out to more people. If you want to help get the word out, share it out on social media and make sure you tag Uncomfortable is okay as well in your post and I'll get out there and I'll make sure I I reply to you and start up a bit of a conversation. Uh, Also, the show is a bit of a labor of love at the moment. So if you want to flick a couple of bucks our way to help with the hosting, etc., then we have a Patreon page, www.patreon.com slash uncomfortable is okay. That's enough of an intro. Thank you guys for getting uncomfortable with Tyson and I today. Tyson Franklin, aka Dr. T, welcome to the Uncomfortable Is Okay podcast. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm pretty cool. It's good to be on here. Awesome, mate. Awesome. It's good to sit down and have a have a bit of a chat with you. Um, now, most of my listeners will have picked up from that brief uh, burst of, of uh, vocals before that that's not a Kiwi accent. Can no, you no, give us definitely a, not a Kiwi. Yeah, can you give us a little <laughs> bit of an idea uh, about where you t- where you're from, mate? Where did you grow up, and uh, 
were there were there any major kind of formative experiences in in your youth that have shaped you as a as a person? Oh, I've had so many experiences in my life. Okay, so I'll give you a quick. I'll give you the quick rundown. Yeah, yeah. Born born in Brisbane. Uh, went to school in in Brisbane. I went to a a school that didn't have the best reputation in the world. Um, probably. I won't name the school because it's changed names since I was there. But one thing it did have going for it while I was there, it had one of the best football teams in the state and also had one of the highest teenage pregnancy rates. So for a bloke, it was a pretty good school, but it was a little bit on the on the rough side. So I went to school in Brisbane, but grew up and spent most of my time actually on the Gold Coast. Then in 92, I moved to Cairns. So I've been in North Queensland, Cairns now. 25 years. Jeez, time flies. It does. It does. What um, what took you away from the, the Gold Coast in Brisbane and up to Cairns? Okay. Well, I had a podiatry business on the Gold Coast. Had it there for about four years. Everything was great. And it was really funny. About a couple of years, I was about four years into, no, it was two years into my practice and had this insurance salesman coming up to me. And he wanted to sell me um, income protection. And at the time, I'm 24, six foot tall and bulletproof. I'm going, I do not need income protection. He says, yeah, but you never know what can happen. I said, mate, you're just a crook. Get off my back. Three months, he harassed me. Anyway, I eventually went, okay, let's, yeah, I'll do it. I've got to, you know, my daughter had just been born. I thought, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe just in case. So got the insurance. Two months later, I was off of work where for some reason I just, I just started, I got psoriasis really bad on my hands and dermatitis. And my my hands were that big and swollen. I couldn't get gloves big enough to put my hands on. You had to put my hands into. And bang, before I knew it, I was off of work. And I put my claim in the insurance company. Nine weeks later, when they're still saying, oh, you must have known there was something wrong with you. And, and then they argued with me. They didn't want to pay me. So eventually they came and saw me and realized, you know, this is just something that happened. It couldn't have been... Um, yeah, I didn't know it was going to happen. They didn't know it was going to happen. So I was sort of forced into selling my practice on the Gold Coast, took about two years off of work, and then somebody said maybe a change in environment might be good for your hands. So, yeah, I packed up, moved to Cairns. Hmm. Interesting, interesting. So your hands were – they weren't great for that whole two years? No, they were terrible. They, yeah. they were really bad. They were that bad. Like They were that swollen sometimes that I couldn't do buttons up on shirts. I, I couldn't. It was just, yeah, it was really debilitating. But it was all over my hands. So I had these big splits all right across the palms of my hands. The soles of my feet were all torn up as well. And it was all over my face. It looked like a, um, I used to describe it, a pepperoni pizza with extra cheese. <laughs> yeah, great. It was just one of, those, it was one of those things you just you did not want to go out. So... When I moved to Cairns, things did improve. Things improved enough that I said, well, I've watched every video you could possibly watch at the video shop. That was back when there were videos, not uh, DVDs. And my hands, they were still sore, but I thought they're good enough to start working. So I just started working again, and it sort of just built built everything up from there. So I still suffer off and on. Like we've got, we're on a Skype call so we can see each other. So if you can see my hands at the moment, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so a week ago they were great, and then all of a sudden it'll just break out. And the doctors are saying it's, yeah, in the past, slow, yeah, stress-related, 
yeah, if I get worked up about stuff, um, as it, as it starts to get a bit hotter at the moment in North Queensland, it, it starts to affect it. So it's one of those things that no matter how bad it gets, I always tell myself it will get better. And the people who are dealing with a lot more crap in their life than I'm dealing with, with, um, yeah, sore hands. Yeah. So that's what sort of stops me worrying about it. Yeah, it's a great metaphor for life as well, I think, is um, that, I mean, life is like psoriasis on your hands is, is cyclical, that it gets bad sometimes and then it's uh, it's going to get better and you're going to be able to keep pushing on and then it's going to get a bit stink for a while and be a bit sore and uh, then it's going to get better again. And yeah, as you say, there are always people out there that, that have it worse off than you. So, oh, there's... There's some people that you see what they go through in life and some of the challenges that they're having and you you, know, you look at your problems and you go, wow, yeah, I'm really lucky. <laughs> I'm mm. ex- and fair enough, you can sit there and go, oh, geez, but what about the guy down the road who is perfectly healthy? And I'll, I'll give you, I'll tell you a funny story. It's not funny, actually. It's terrible. Did you ever watch Spartacus? Yep, I watched Spartacus. Yeah, because I think it was all filmed in New Zealand, wasn't it? Was it filmed over there? Yeah. Oh, that was mostly New Zealand actors. It was Kiwi stuntmen anyway. I, I met a couple of the stuntmen from it. Yeah, I think a lot. I think it was it was Australians, Kiwis, and English people. Sort of, it was a big production. Anyway, mm-hmm. it went for four years. The original sp- guy that was Spartacus was an Australian guy. I think he was not Australian or Kiwi. Yeah, I think Andy Whitfield. He was Australian. Yeah. Okay, yeah, well, if he was a Kiwi and became really successful, we'd take him that he was Australian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If he starts throwing telephones at people, we say he's a Kiwi. Um, <laughs> only Australians and New Zealanders are going to get that joke. Anyway, um, I remember seeing him in an interview when he was about halfway through the season, and I'm thinking, wow, you know, some people are just really lucky and born lucky. Yeah, he was yeah, good-looking guy, really well-built, had a great you know, acting career ahead of him, was getting paid good money, had a gorgeous wife, kids, everything going for him. 18 months later, he's dead. Yeah, he, he I can't remember, what did he get? Um, Hodgkin's lymphoma? Yeah, I think or that something was like, Yeah, something like that. And I'm thinking, yeah, a year and a half later, he, he had passed away. And I'm thinking, where here I was sitting back looking at his life and going, where how lucky is this guy? Which I think a lot of people do. They're constantly comparing themselves to other people, not realizing, you know what, he's not going to be around in a year after. You really want to trade places with him? Yeah, I'm sure he would. He would rather be where I am or be where somebody else is. Yeah, that's a that's a really interesting point that you make there, and I think it's it's really easy to look at other people and kind of see the the glossy outside, especially with social media, and especially with people that kind of post up on social media just all the highlights. Um, yeah. like the, the kind of Instagram models that take 400 shots before <laughs> they, before they find one to post. And I think, I mean, that's something that I try and avoid on social media is obviously this, this podcast titled uncomfortable is okay. So I think it's actually good for me to sort of portray a little bit of an uncomfortable side on social media. So I try and yeah. talk about stuff that. Um, stuff that's gone wrong at times, or stuff that isn't going going so well, or stuff that's uh, uncomfortable. Still try and put nice photos on there occasionally as well. So if you want to follow me on Instagram, it's not just depressing stuff. 
there's there's some insightful life lessons i was starting to get a bit sad yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. (laughs) but i think i mean that you make a really you make a really interesting point eh, is that we kind of compare our behind the scenes life to uh other people's highlight reels and you never really know what's what's going on so i think when you when you get into a tough situation that comparison with other people it doesn't it doesn't really work because you have probably no idea actually what's going on for them behind the scenes and you'll you'll just make yourself feel worse about it but it's much easier said than done not to do that oh it's it's hard sometimes when you you sit back and you'll see somebody and i think i i read somewhere once where it may have been a podcast i was listening to and it said it's there's a there's a fine line between um is it having envy towards somebody and and sort of like respecting somebody and they said that the closer you can see yourself in their shoes the more envious you get mm. so so you might see someone who is um okay like i play the guitar so i might see someone who is an awesome guitar player in a band just getting up there and just ripping it and i'm sitting there and i'm going well wow, he is so awesome <laughs> yeah. yeah and i and i i will just sit there and go, wow, he is so good because he is so much better than what I am that, yeah, if he was making $10 million a year, you, you wouldn't worry about it. But then you could have your next-door neighbour who plays the guitar at the same level as you, and the next thing he's discovered busking on the side of the road and uh, and gets offered a $5 million contract, and then all of a sudden you start getting – oh, it was the difference between like, envy and jealousy. Mm. It was something along those lines, and it was all based on the closer you can see yourself in that person's position – the more jealous you can actually you actually get instead of just respecting what they've actually done. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. And I think it's a like it's probably a good a good lesson to to look at things that way is that that we shouldn't well, and it's it's hard not to, but we shouldn't kind of really feel either bad about ourselves that we haven't had that kind of same level of perceived success or shouldn't wish other people uh, misfortune because they've got something yeah. that we think that we want or that we deserve. Yeah, I, I think it's. I think you've got to live your own life. You've got to be happy with where you are, and I think you, wherever it is that you are in life, you've got to accept that you put yourself there. Mm. Yeah, you, you can't blame. You, you, at some stage, you can't keep blaming your parents for. For your life, I still think that I think there's an expiry date. At yeah. some stage, you, you have to sort of go. You know what? I've got to start. You, know, you can't be 35 years of age and living in your parents' basement and blaming them that they did the wrong thing. You've got to, at some stage, take responsibility for where you are, what's gone on, good or bad, and then just start trying to fix it up and, and move on from it. Yeah. Um, and, and I know some people have had, I mean, terrible lives. They've um, been treated badly. They, they may have been molested. They, yeah, just some really, really nasty stuff. And but there's people out there that can help them, mm. and they've got to accept that help and realize, you know, it it can't get better unless I choose that I want to start making things better. Yeah, yeah. Did you did you have that point yourself where you thought, okay, now it's time for me to take responsibility for the stuff that I'm doing and for, uh, for the direction I want my life to take. 
Um, yeah, I was. I think my life, my life took a big detour when I was uh, about seventeen, and I had I only thought there was only two two things I had priorities for when I was seventeen: boobs and football. That's 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 all I thought about. I didn't think about what I was going to do as a career. Uh, what I was going to do after high school. My goal was I was going to be a professional football player. That's I was going to be a, a rugby league player. You know, play state of origin, have all the glory and all that type of thing. And then my father passed away, and that really just hit me in the guts. Yeah. And but the thing is, the night before he passed away, he actually came into my room. He said, "Look, I don't really feel too well. I've got this really bad feeling about tomorrow that I feel like I'm going to pass away." I'm going, oh, "Don't be silly." So. He said, just do a couple of things for me. I said, oh, what's that? He said, look after your mum. I went, yeah, well, that's yeah, that's a given. He said, go back to school and repeat grade 12. He said, you're not stupid, but, you know, you pretend that you are. He said, and I don't care what you do at university. I want you to go and do something, just anything. Just go to university, experience what university life is, because I never did it. You know, this is what he was saying. He never did it. He wanted me to see what it was like. So that was probably my biggest turning point where I was heading in one direction and I was probably never going to be a professional football player because I was too lazy. But it was, you know, the way I say when bad things happen, they happen for a reason. If that hadn't have happened, I don't know what direction I would have ended up taking. It, it, yeah, like I may still be exactly where I am now, you know, I think all, all, all roads lead to, lead to somewhere, but I don't know if I would have gone down that direction or I would have, um, yeah, no, no idea. It's, it's hard to tell. Yeah, thanks for thanks for sharing that, mate. That's that's something that I I didn't expect from from uh, when I asked that question, uh, and it's yeah, it was is really interesting to hear. And I think, I mean, I probably had a slightly different um, point where. Kind of, I started taking a little bit more responsibility, and I think it was probably a little bit later in in my life than um, than when you did it. And I think we talked we talked last time about kind of when I uh, when I was chatting on your podcast when I finished up with university uh, and then kind of went out to went out to work and stopped challenging myself and stopped kind of getting uncomfortable. And I mean, it probably started at university as well and then just kind of carried on over afterwards so I was yeah I was kind of much the same I was I was playing playing sports um I partied pretty hard um yeah went out chased chased girls and kind of looked for for validation in external areas but was quite selfish about it as well. I didn't really kind yeah. of take responsibility for, for my actions or how they made other people feel. Um, and it was more of a kind of a slowly for me coming to that realization um, that, hey, this is not how I want to to live my life. So it was kind of a slow burn over a couple of years that it, that it took me to figure that out rather than just the this event happened and, and – caused me to to change so well i would i mean I'd, I'd like to hope that if if um that you would have ended up in this at the same point regardless yeah i think like i always had ambition like i, I did a talk uh for this group called fin franchising um last year last october and they wanted me just to talk about my life 
just what what where I was and how I got to you know selling my business um, for a certain amount, and 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 I sort of I titled it like boom moments in my life, and they were like moments where I was like kicked in the guts that really just kept shaping who I am now, and it was really funny that one about that I told you about my dad that was one. And that's the first time I've actually been able to tell that story without getting upset. So somebody said that you have to keep when things upset you, or you're still hurting about them. This is you know going back to 1983 that he died. The more you keep talking about him, the better you'll get it at talking about that subject. So yeah, so I'm glad you asked me that question yeah. because Definitely. I held it back, which yeah. was good. <laughs> and I was I was talking to a guy last week. Um, Eric Hodgson on the on the podcast, um, whose daughter um, committed suicide, and obviously a very traumatic experience for for him and all the people that were close to close to his daughter. And he, at the moment, is uh, he's kind of worked through his his grief and worked through his recovery around that, and now he is teaching other people how to do the same thing. And one of his big things is. When you when you go through trauma or when you go through grief, repeatedly telling your story heals you a little bit every time. Um, yeah. And you get kind of a new, you take new things away from it every time you you tell that story and every time you kind of talk through that that uncomfortable or traumatic experience for you. Yeah, no, I have to agree because, like I said, that's the first time I've mentioned it, and I haven't. And as I've started to talk about, it, I thought, oh. Should I really be talking about this? Because, yeah, um, yeah, I didn't want to get emotional on the mm. podcast. But as I'm talking about it, all of a sudden, I just I, I just felt, I know I'm good about this. This this is actually uh, quite good. But, yeah, I just think there's, there's a number of points in life where big challenges are in front of you and you, things don't always go. Things don't always go as planned. So when I – before you out, yeah, like I always – knew that I was going to be successful. It was just from the time I was 12. I remember when I was 12 years of age, I said to my parents, they, well, they asked me, what are you going to do when you grow up? And I said, I'm going to be a millionaire. And they went, okay, well, that, that's interesting. Considering your father and I aren't, this is mum, what makes you think you're going to be a millionaire? I said, oh, because I'm smarter than you guys. And so my mum made me write down on a piece of paper, by the time I'm 30 years of age, I'll be retired and a millionaire. And I had to sign it. Yeah. Anyway, and I gave it to her, totally forgot about it. Anyway, when I was 30, you know, a few business decisions here and there, I declared bankruptcy. and Or part 10. So it was a part 10 bankruptcy. So it wasn't good. Feeling really down and out. Feeling shocking. I thought, oh, yeah, I'm going to go home for you know, a couple of days, go down to the Gold Coast, and uh, mum will make me feel better. So I get home. And mum says, oh, happy birthday. I said, oh, yeah, great. She said, oh, I've got something for you. I said, oh, yeah, what's that? And I'm thinking, you couldn't feel, I couldn't be any lower than what I was right there. And she hands me this piece of paper and I open it up and it says, by the time I'm 30, I'm going to be a millionaire and retired. Signed, Tyson. And my mum said, so how close are you? <laughs> 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 and, oh, oh. and talk about get me fired up. I was, I was angry. And fired up at exactly the same time. And what I was angry about, and this is part of my talk I did with Finn Franchising last year, I was angry at myself for forgetting what my what my goals were, what my why was, what drove me to do certain things. 
that you get so wound up in the day-to-day crap that you forget why you're doing the day-to-day crap. Yeah, you wake up, you go to work, whatever job it is, whether it's physiotherapy or podiatry or you're an accountant, you're working at a butcher shop, you, you go through the, the routine all day, you finish the day, you come home, and you can't remember what your purpose was. Why, why, why do you have a business or why, why are you working at a particular company and you're just, just going through that routine? And that's when my mum kicked me in the guts right at that point. And it wasn't really kicking the guts. It was more of an awakening that it made me realise I've got to keep remembering what drove me. What, what was driving me when I was 12? And then what drove me when I was 17 when my dad had that talking thing on that final night? And then what drove me when yeah, my hands got better and I started working again? But I let life get in the way and I kept forgetting these moments mm. as they were going through. But anyway, from um, yeah, 30, from that point onwards, uh, my life just took an upward trajectory. It was, yeah, my life has been great. <laughs> awesome yeah <laughs> hasn't been great every day but it's, it's but what it means i just I, I really got focused with what i wanted and and i kept reminding myself now there's been times then where i've forgotten and need to give myself another kick in the pants but you know the last 15 years or so i've really stayed uh relatively focused mm. how do you identify your why um sat down with somebody and went through my values, what is important to me. Yeah, it's, yeah, a lot of people say, oh, I'd love to have a you know, really nice fancy car. I want to have a big home. I want to take overseas trips. I want to buy jewelry. And, and I'm like, nah, yeah, that's all nice. And don't get me wrong, if, you know, if I, you know, I like my house and I like my car and that type of thing, but what drives me more than anything else is freedom and time with my family. Yeah, that, they, those two things are, more, yeah, and and I've got other, yeah, values where it's just it's just based around, um, look, I want to have fun as well. So everything I do, there's got to be fun involved. Most of the things I do do involve my family, or when I'm making a decision, I go, how does that affect my family? So if somebody said to me, oh Tyson, with your with your next book, it's going to be that good. You, we can organise 150 speaking engagements all around the world for you next year and you'll make $5 million, I wouldn't do it because it would mean if – I, if it means I'm only seeing my family once or twice a year to make $5 million, I'm going, it's not really worth it because if I could have it one more day with my dad, I'd pay $5 million for that. So for me to be away from my family and and not see them – um, I don't think money's money's not that important to me. For some for somebody else, it might be fine. They mightn't like their family. They might like money more. So <laughs> it's, yeah. if they're that way, that's that's fine. They might go, oh, I don't like my wife. My kids annoy me. That's that's fine. Go make money. Yeah. Um. And you see, I mean, knowing your values is probably quite easy to. Uh, to kind of stick to your why and kind of keep focusing on keep focused on that. But do you have any routines that you use to kind of keep the your why in the forefront of your mind? Um, I do have uh, a book. I call it my brain book, where I write a lot of ideas down on a regular basis, and and I do have what I call a mindset coach. 
where I have someone I catch up with every fortnight and we we discuss different things. Her name's uh, Deb Johnson. Really cool lady. She she'd be very interesting on your on your podcast. And yeah, just just talking with someone every two weeks just about yeah, she sets tasks for me. Yeah, what what are your goals over the next two weeks? And being accountable to someone and constantly being reminded. See if I'm left to my own devices, um, I'm I'm terrible. Yeah, it, I I'm one of those people that I need somebody every fortnight reminding me of what it is I'm supposed to be doing. And it can't be my wife. So so Deb Johnson could say to me, Hey Tyson, you said you were going to do this. I'm going, oh, yeah, yeah, but. She goes, okay, well, how does that but fit in with your why? <laughs> yeah, you, you say that your family's important. However, you're doing this over here, which actually contradicts what, and you go, oh, yeah, it is too. She, geez. Yeah, so it's like someone who says, my family's really important, but they, they get go to work at seven in the morning and then they come home till nine o'clock at night. But the family's really important. They're doing it for their family, but their family never sees them. Mm. So Deb's one of those people that, Every fortnight reminds me what I'm supposed to be doing. And, yeah, she's not a business coach. So she's not talking about business. It's purely just talking about my thinking and getting getting my get – I, I gave her a copy of my new book yesterday and I put on there, yeah, dear Deb, thank you for keeping my head screwed on, Tyson. And that's pretty much what she does. So that, that's probably my focusing thing every two weeks. But I have a, a, a diary that – I got my own di- diary designed at a printer's and – I've got it set up the way that I want it set up, and each week I've got what's my focus for the week, and I, I write that in there. And I have, you know, what my, yeah, normal diary where you write things in, but I've got areas where I can write important tasks and things that I want to get done, and I carry them over to the following week. So, and that's old-fashioned paper. I love writing, drawing arrows, crossing things out. Uh, I do have an electronic diary, but I hardly ever look at it. Mm, that's that's very cool. So how you you've had that diary that you designed for a couple of years now? Yeah, this is my second year that yeah. I've had this one. Yeah, so I I'll have areas. Oh yeah, I've got a monthly planner section, and then underneath the monthly planner, I have uh, my what I call my marketing pillars. So they're my different areas. So when I had when I had the podiatry clinic, we had six marketing pillars. So it was like. Professional referrers, non-professional, internal marketing, external marketing, what I call verbal marketing, and online marketing. So my goal was every month you should be doing something in every one of those areas to promote your business. So that's so I got the diary designs to remind me that this is what I had to do every month. I had to be doing something. So it didn't cost that much. It may, it may have cost me seventy or eighty dollars to get to get it designed online and then just uh, get the printers to print it for me. And then I put my own cover on the front of it. So the first year I did it, uh, in 2015, a guy in America that I met at a conference, he had these little statues that somebody who works at Disneyland, um, who does some of the, the sculptures for um, the Disney animation, did these little sculptures of these lions. And they're made out of uh, metal. I could show you what it looks like, but I'll show you later. <laughs> yeah. And he uh, he takes these to conferences and people that he connects with at the conference that he really felt that he had a, an emotional bond with, he hands out about half a dozen of them each year at conferences he goes to. He said, gave me one. So I took a photograph of it and that was what was on the cover of my diary the first time I put it together. And I put there, 
Yeah, and that was for 2016. I put, who will you meet in 2016? That was my, that was my focus on who was I going to meet in 2016 that was going to change my life. And then on my 2017 one, I put a whole pile of photos of all the different people that I met through 2016. That's awesome. So as a reminder of, you know, what was 2017 going to hold for me? So, yeah, it, it was, some people look at it and think it's silly, but by me me doing it, my wife got one done. Uh, one of the girls at work got one done. Um, I, I know about three or four other people that are all – Getting their own diaries done that's, now. That's very cool, actually. I might, I might get you to send me through the link uh, for where you got them made, and um, I'll post it up in the notes for the show. I'm thinking I might get myself one as well. Yeah, it was a, it was a friend of mine who's a private printer who did it for us. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. I might, um, so, well, I might get you to take a take a picture of of yours. But I'll, and, yeah, I'll uh, show you what I figure out yeah. the template. Yeah, I'll show you what I did because I'm pretty sure it's just a template that they used. Um, like the business is called uh, All Signs Cans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, All Signs Cans. And they do print, yeah, printing and sign writing. And yeah, so I think it was a template they took online and I just told them how I wanted to change and they modified it all for me and, and did it that way. But it's just, it, it's good too because it makes you feel like this is my diary. It's yeah. not something. And my diary this year is slightly different to the one from last year. And next year's diary will be different again because now that i don't own the podiatry business and yeah my day-to-day lifestyle has changed so yeah i need areas in my diary that is about writing about blogging about podcasting it's it's sort of taken a, a different direction yeah yeah no, that's very cool and i mean tyson we've been talking for about half an hour now and we haven't uh hit any of the topics that we we said that we we're going to talk about before we started that's true. but i think it's been absolute gold so why don't we why don't we pivot a little bit um because yeah, we, okay. we first came in contact last year yes uh, when all of a sudden this video popped up um on my news feed of you reviewing one of my podcasts um i think it was the, the first uh podcast you did was with uh matt scorange who is yes, the uh, surfer the surfer yeah, yeah um so you were on your 365 hour challenge do you want to kind of tell us what that was and and, and the why behind it okay um so i had turned I'd recently turned, well, just before starting it, I'd turned 50. So I turned 50 on the 6th of July, 2016. And all of a sudden, yeah, I'd read something that, you know, when when you turn 40, if you don't start looking after your health and start exercising, you put on a kilo a year every year for the rest of your life. And I looked and I'm going, you know what? I was about 10 kilos overweight. (laughs) And I'm thinking, so – I'd like to be around, you know, 78, 80, and at the time I was about 90, 92. So I was actually more than 10 kilos overweight. And I'm thinking, well, if I keep going at this rate, it's just going to it's gonna get worse. So I sat down and I thought, I've got to come up with something where, you know, I can do exercise on a regular basis. Because once again, it's really easy for me to get distracted. It's really easy, you know, I, I could say, okay, I'm going to go for a walk every day, but then – I'd come up the driveway, pull in the car, and the next door neighbour say, "Hey Tyson, do you, you know, do you want a bourbon and coke?" Oh, bourbon and coke, going for a walk. What do I do? Oh, decisions. Or do you want a cold beer? And it's it's the middle of summer and it's thirty five degrees. I'm thinking, yeah, maybe I probably should have the beer because yeah, my yeah, 
it's too hot to walk. So there was always an excuse. But then I started looking at my health and then, you know, looking at, um, yeah, my family. It was my family again. Yeah, if I don't start looking after my health, I'm going to die young. And, yeah, my dad died at 49. His dad passed away, I think it was about 52. So I'm thinking, I'm 50. So I've outlived my dad. <laughs> if I don't start doing stuff now, it's going to catch up to me. So, yeah, that that was what was my driving thing behind it. So the idea behind the challenge was I was going to walk for an hour a day every day for 365 days. And then while I was walking, I would listen to a podcast and try and educate myself at the same time. That was all good, but then a podcast just before I started, somebody said on there, it'd be in today's times, it's silly that we don't record our life a little bit more. Yeah, and he gave an example of uh, two grandparents that he had. One who had a, a personal journal that wrote something down every day his whole life. And he got hold of that journal and he learned everything about when he was in his 20s and the things he did and his ideas and thoughts, his fears. He knew so much about this grandfather on his mother's side. The grandfather on the father's side, there was nothing. Couldn't, other than knowing his name, knew nothing about him. Mm. And he said, with today's technology, with video, audio, there's no reason why we shouldn't be recording what we're doing. So I went, okay, well, that's, that's a great idea. I'm going to do my walk, listen to a podcast, and I'm going to record a takeaway point from that podcast or what, what I felt about that podcast. And I did that the first couple of times. And then I was telling a friend that I was doing these recordings and they go, I haven't seen any. I go, well, I haven't posted them anywhere. And they went, well, don't be a selfish bastard. I said, why aren't you sharing it with everybody else? And I went, because they're for me. They go, well, I want to hear what you want to say. You know, I, I want to know about these podcasts that you're listening to. And it just, just pretty much just started from there. So, so then I put it on Facebook told everybody that I was doing it. So all of a sudden, you know, I had hundreds and hundreds of people all around the world who knew that I was doing this challenge, which I finally understood what real accountability is. When you really put something out there. So if people go to my um, Facebook page, just look up, you know, Tyson E. Franklin. And on my header on my Facebook page, I actually have – my five goals for 2017, I put them up there on Facebook so everybody could see what they are to keep me accountable to make sure I actually get them done. And I learned that on a podcast. Mm, that's so really cool as well. I'm one of those people that I need to be reminded on a regular basis to do something. And what's the best way to learn what my goals are and what it was I wanted to achieve? I go to Facebook every day. So my goals are looking at me every day. So I have no excuse to say, oh, no, I didn't. I, I totally forgot about them. They're right. They're right in front of me. So, so that's that's what the three sixty five challenge is about. So by doing it, and then every time I listen to a podcast, I connect it. I I would send a message. I would tag the host and the guest into my video, and I'd say minimum fifty percent of every host and guest connected with me back that I've had some form of conversation with now since starting the challenge. So the, and the challenge finished on the 29th of August uh, this year. So it was, it was a lot harder than it sounds. <laughs> it sounds, it sounds pretty tough because it wasn't uh, you weren't kind of just at home every day 
uh, where you could just go out for a walk. There was uh, there was a bit of travel involved and a a few uh, sort of arduous weather conditions that you had to to face down as well. Yeah, I, I laughed that. Yeah, I, I should have kept a tally of how many birds tried to take my ears off. <laughs> um, I got bitten by a dog only once. Had a few attack me, but I sort of got away. Um, I came across a rattlesnake in the desert and a bobcat. I came around the corner and there's a bobcat there just looking at me. I walked through bitter cold in Japan, Fiji, Hawaii, um, you know, Melbourne in the middle of winter while it was raining, you know, Brisbane, Sydney. Um, I went on a cruise ship for 12 nights and I walked on the cruise ship. They have a deck. So every morning I'd get up at five o'clock and walk on the deck before we docked to go off and do our day tour. But then when we were doing the day tour, I'd have to find a Starbucks so I could upload the video because there was no internet on the boat. Yeah. So it was when I finally finished it, um, I went, well, it's one of the hardest things I've ever, it's one of the hardest things I've ever done, but it was also one of the most rewarding things I've ever done where, you know, I really put the challenge out there for myself. People got behind me and I had people, in, you know, but what's good now is I keep getting people asking, so when are you starting the next one? <laughs> so I am going to do it. I'm just going to modify it a little bit so it's not, so it's easier to, easier to manage. I just haven't figured out how I'm going to do that yet. Mm, because but, I because I know once I start day one, if if it's uncomfortable, which it was at the beginning, um, I have to do it for the next three hundred sixty four days. Because once I start something, I am one of those people I can't stop. I have I have to finish what I start. Yeah, so it's going to be a it's going to be kind of a similar similar concept to what the three hundred sixty five hours or, or three hundred sixty five days with some new learning for you. Uh, yeah, I'm going to – so far the idea is along the lines of I, – I like the hour walk. The hour walk's good. Uh, and I did you know, at certain times there. I started doing a bit of running just to sort of spruce it up a little bit. Not not in summer though. Um, I still want to listen to the podcast. Where, where I think it got a little bit complicated last time was I, I tried to share too much information from the podcast, mm-hmm. whereas when I initially started it was share one takeaway point. But as I got into it and I got overexcited, I started sharing too much. And and that started to take away some of the enjoyment of what I was doing with the walk. Yeah, I was sort of I was concentrating so much on the podcast and not just enjoying the environment uh, around me. Then after I shot the video, I'd come home and I would I was so pedantic about making sure the video was was good. I was spending time editing and and taking things out. And because I love the creative side, I started getting fancier with it. So I was spending a lot of time editing videos and uploading it to YouTube and putting it everywhere else that I thought this time I'm going to do the walk, do the podcast, and I'm going to shoot it to Facebook live. So I can't edit. And that's going to be, that's the biggest challenge is because the amount of times I made mistakes when I did it last time where I was walking along, I'm filming it and all of a sudden I get hit in the head by a bird. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or I'd have a dog latch on my, on my leg while I'm videoing, or I'd come around a corner and a snake ran past me and I'd just yell something out that I shouldn't have. Um, I was telling somebody about that, and they said, you know what, That would that's why people tune into Facebook Live, because it's like watching, yeah, it's like people going to, you know, to watch cars race. People mm. want to see a crash. 
Yeah. You know, people watch Facebook Live because they know there's a possibility something could go wrong. And, and therefore, by doing that too, the video's done. It's uploaded onto Facebook straight away. Um, it's going to be a little bit more raw. And I, I think people will enjoy it just as much. And and I'm going to get out of it what I want. Yeah, health and fitness. It's a challenge for myself, so yeah, which is what I always need. But I made so many connections last time that I did it. It just feels like it's something that I don't want to sort of let go. Yeah, like connect, connecting with yourself. Mm. Like I now I know know now I could go into Wellington, give you a call, and we can go and have a beer. Never would have happened if I hadn't started that challenge, which I think is pretty awesome. Yeah, it's very it's very cool. What did you have a favourite takeaway message? From that from whole all, year, putting you on the spot here, or maybe like a top top three. No, I think probably the um, the last podcast I listened to was a physiotherapist was the guest on the Savvy Dentist. Mm-hmm. His name was Brad Beer, and the the one thing he said, and I I felt it really summed up everything that I had just done over that year. And it was better before bigger. That that was that was my final message that I shared on my last video. And if people want to go and check out these videos too, just go to on Facebook and look up the 365-hour mental and physical challenge. Yeah, I'll <laughs> pop a link in the notes for the show. Oh, for cool. That too. Yeah, so that that last video that I did was yeah, it was better before bigger, and we're just talking about a lot of businesses where they, they try and get bigger before getting better and then all they do is create a bigger mess and a lot of the podcasts that was the that was a message that I, I got from a, a lot of them you know about staying focused and you know tying up loose ends um yeah so I, I really felt that final message summed up everything but things like you know it was like your your podcast yeah uncomfortable is okay reminding yourself that it is okay to be uncomfortable yeah, being uncomfortable is is good, mm. and yeah, and Gary V talking about trying different things and you know not not being scared. Um, and he didn't become wealthy by sitting back and and wondering. He he just tries different things and some things work and some things don't. So, yeah, and and I listened to some really obscure podcasts. There was one that I listened to that was um. I think it's called the Happier Podcast with Gretchen Rubin. Oh yeah, yeah, I know the one. Yeah, and she has a sister on there, and they were talking about time management. And what? And the sister said this idea, and I went, "Wow, that's pretty cool." And what she does, or what she did, she got a timer, and she timed how long it took her to do everything. How long does it take to empty the dishwasher? How long does it take to iron a shirt? How long does it take to, um, just. Just all these different things. How long does it take to go to and water the plants out the back? How long does it take to stack the dishwasher? So, and what she did by working out how long it took her to do everything, she said when all of a sudden she had half an hour free and she said, oh, I haven't got time to do anything, she'd go, well, hang on, here's my list. These are all the things I could do there in three minutes and four minutes and five minutes and six minutes. I thought that was a brilliant idea. So I sat down and go, how long does it take me once I've edited a video to get it uploaded onto YouTube and then push it everywhere else. And I worked out, it took me 12 minutes. So when I was sitting there going, oh, I don't have time to do it, I go, oh, hang on, I've got 15 minutes free now. It only takes me 12 minutes to upload everything. So that's what I took away 
from listening to all those podcasts, they changed my life. <laughs> they've they've really they've touched me in so many different ways. And I've got I kept a journal of all my notes after every walk, and I think I finished with seventy one thousand two hundred and forty four words of things that I wrote down and takeaway points that I shared everywhere. So I tell you that that folder or that um, file on my computer where I've got all that information stored is just gold. It's, mm. it's so valuable. I'm looking forward to uh, I'm looking forward to reading the book from it. Yeah. <laughs> um, it'll be it'll be it'll be kind of on par, I reckon, with Tim uh, Tim Ferriss' Tools of the Titans. Yeah, it's a it was a yeah. I had a friend who said your next challenge should be write the book in 365 hours. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, "Where's the physical part come in?" He said, "Oh, now you can jog while you're writing it." I'm going, "Oh, it's just on a on yeah. a." S- standing desk uh while you're walking on a treadmill maybe yeah that could be the way but it's uh yeah it is Uh, and i really think all that information that i wrote down putting it all into some form of book format i I think people would get a summary of 365 podcasts to listen to Mm, i would i'd definitely read that so yeah and yes i've had a lot of people mention that i should turn it into a book so i'd say i will it's just a matter of when because i've just had my other book (laughs) only yeah. coming out this week so i've got to sort of concentrate on getting that sort of promoted a little bit more yeah i think that's a, a delightful segue actually into into having a chat about uh, about your new book so do you want to do you want to kind of let us know what it's called and give us a little bit of a sort of a summary around the the concepts of it okay so the book is called it's no secret there's money in small business and it's all about earning more working less and enjoying what you do more each day. So the book's broken into two parts. The first half of the book is all about uh, the business. The second part of the book is all about marketing. And and I pretty much wrote the book. When I, when I first started out in business myself, I knew nothing. It was, you know, we didn't have the internet. There were no podcasts. Um, there may have been business coaches, but I, I wouldn't have had any idea. So when I, when I wrote the book and I was really targeting it towards who I was, you know, 30 years ago when I was first starting out in business and all the things I didn't know and all the things I've learned and I've tried to cram it all into one book. So it's like a, um, I get emails every week. So, so prior to this book, I wrote a book called it's no secret. There's money in podiatry. So pretty much the second book is taking everything podiatry related out pumping it full of steroids and re-releasing it as a generalized business book. So this book is a better book than my first book, but it's still got the same message. It's just about you know, location, where to, where, to, where to set your business up and why you should set up in, in different, in certain places about what, yeah, you know, why you need to have yeah you know, good advisors. It's yeah, it's like a, um, yeah, you know, one of my, Favorite chapters in there is called you know, "Are You Green and Growing or Ripe and Rotting," and and it's all about and it was a, it was a, from I based the chapter on a quote from Ray Kroc, and he said every business you're either constantly green and growing, you're, no matter how long you've been in business for, it's all about just re, reinventing yourself and yeah coming up with new things and keeping things fresh. And McDonald's is a perfect example of that. They're always changing things whether you like them or like them or not they don't stay still 
And they said, whereas a lot of businesses, they get to a certain point and they get ripe. And then once they get ripe and they don't do anything else, that's when they actually start to rot and disappear. So, yeah, I the book is um, – I don't know. I'm just really happy with it. It's just a – it's a good business book. I've read a lot of business books and I always say this is the second best business book ever written. What's, yeah, the, there has what's to be the first a, best? I don't know. There has to be one somewhere. I just haven't <laughs> read it. I haven't found it. But <laughs> it's just – it is. It's just one of those things that every person I know that has read the book, yeah, especially when yeah, when I wrote the first one for podiatrists. So no one's really read this book yet because it's only just come out. But the feedback from the other ones is they go, I constantly just keep going back and re- and reading the book and reviewing different chapters and uh, just using it as a as a guideline for for doing different things. So, oh, sorry about that. It was just me knocking something. Actually, do have there's probably my other book here, my new one. I don't actually have in front of me. Funny enough, um, but I talk about things about yeah, you know, discounts, price wars, and accounts. So I always say to people, if you get in a a price war with an idiot, all you end up with is two idiots. Yeah, it's there, there's no point yeah arguing. Yeah, you know, I talk about yeah you know, the vital few and trivial many, where in every profession, in every industry. There's all of those few people that just stand out, and, and they stand out for a reason. It doesn't it doesn't actually happen by by accident, and they're usually the ones that, not necessarily the trailblazers, but the ones that just stay focused on what it is that they're doing. They're not concerned what the competition's doing down the road. They're not putting complaints into the council or to registration boards and all that. They just they worry about their game. They don't worry about anything else. Um, so yeah. I talk about you know, numbers, different ways to increase your turnover, why systems are important in your business, and they need to be right. So I, write, I talk a lot about systems. And like I said, in the second part is all about pretty much all about marketing, setting up different marketing pillars, yeah, under, understanding who your customer is or your client or your patient, whatever industry you're in. Because until you understand that, then – how do you how do you market towards them? So it's like like podcasting. It's like my podcast and your podcast. There's a certain person that we're targeting it towards, and based on that, helps you choose the guests that you have on. Mm, yeah. So so there'd be no point you having um, you know, like the Pope on, for example, and talk about his opinion about where where religion's heading in the next five to ten years if your audience. Are not Catholics who want to hear from the Pope? That could be quite he's still, an uncomfortable discussion, though. though. Yeah, I, I'd yeah, like still, to talk to him. Hey, so it's the would, Pope, if you're listening, I would love to get you on the show. Yeah, but it's it's one of those things you, you can try and get your guests to talk about subjects that you know your listeners may want to listen to. Yeah, yeah, and and probably nine out of ten times you'll get it right, and one out of ten you'll get it wrong. Yeah, hopefully, yeah. I'm, hopefully I'm not that one out of ten. No, I don't. I don't think you are, mate. <laughs> and I think um. It's, I, I don't want to compare myself to, to Tim Ferriss, but I like his I like his attitude of um, he kind of had, runs in sort of five show blocks where he has uh, five five podcasts. One of them his listeners are really going to love. Three of them they're gonna they're gonna enjoy. They're gonna take something away, and one of them they're just not gonna like at all. Um, oh, and he has that in purpose. Yeah, he's he. Well, he's fine. He says he's fine with that, um, and it's going to be different for for everybody. So it's 
I kind of, I quite like that as a, as a concept that you're, that you're not looking to please everyone every, every time with it. Um, but back to the book, mate, when, when does it come out and where can people get it? Um, at the moment, it's, uh, it is on Amazon just as a, as a paperback. It'll be an ebook in the next couple of weeks. So by the time this episode comes out, it might, might be available as an ebook straight away, but it will be available on your know, uh, book depository, uh, Booktopia, any, anywhere where you can buy an online book. It should be on there over the next couple of weeks. If you're in Australia, you should be able to go to my website, tysonfranklin.com, and I will have a page set up on there where you can order it um, through PayPal, and we just basically post it out. Awesome. Um, oh. Yeah. Oh, uh, and, oh, and bookstores, bookstores in Australia. It's actually, if you have a bookstore near where you live, go down there and say, I want a copy of It's No Secret, There's Money in Small Business. And if they say they don't have it on the shelves, you ask why. Why isn't it on the shelves? It should be on the shelf. <laughs> Get them to order you one. Definitely go out and do that. And, um, I'll, I'll pop some links to uh, to all the other places that you can get it uh, out, so that if anyone is listening and wants a copy, that they can uh, they can jump online and grab it as well. Now, mate, I got a couple of questions that I like to ask everyone towards the end of the chat. Um, okay. I don't know. I don't know if I can't remember if I prepped you for these or not. Nope. You've listened you to a couple of my podcasts, so you I've listened to your podcast. Have, a, have an and idea. you said, and you said to me, I'm going to send you some questions to think about before you come on the show and you didn't send them to I me. I didn't do that. Oh, I just wanted no. to make you uncomfortable. That's all right. I'm feeling it. <laughs> good, good, good. The, the first question for you is, what was the last uncomfortable thing that you did and how did you get through it? Um, let me think of if I've done anything uncomfortable today. Yeah, nothing nothing specific today. Um, probably a, a recent thing is like starting my own podcast. That That was uncomfortable. It was not really understanding what I what I was doing and having to learn new stuff and putting myself out there and wondering if anyone's actually going to listen to the podcast. That was that was that was really uncomfortable. I know you asked me this question. We we you did ask me this question on my podcast. You actually threw that question back at me. And I don't even know what I said then. Because it's one of those things when you talk about what was the last uncomfortable thing you did. Yeah, my whole life seems to always be uncomfortable. It's I never feel comfortable. I'm I'm always trying to do something different. So I think that affects my hands too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I I like that answer, and I can I can definitely relate to kind of the whole podcasting thing and starting the podcast and just having a massive learning curve. And I think as as I've hit markers along the way. I've found something else to kind of go and explore with it and, and get uncomfortable around it. So uh, you've got uh, you've got many more uh, opportunities to to get uncomfortable with the podcast as well. But while we're on that topic, um, what like why did you start your podcast and what's it called? Give it a bit of a plug as well. Oh, okay. So the podcast is called "It's No Secret" with Doctor T. So um, you'll see my smiling face on the little tile with dark sunglasses on going, shh, like that, like it's a secret, like a spy. And I started it because I was listening to so many podcasts that I felt I had something to say, yeah, or something I wanted to share. And it just it looked like fun. But it was also probably a, a segue into 
other things that I was actually doing. So by having a podcast, I could one, one connect with other people again, yeah, you know, connect with people that I'd connected with by listening to their podcasts. And and I love sharing information with people. So there was um, – because I think at one stage, did I put you in touch with somebody in America in um, San Francisco? Yeah, I think you did. I think you did. Um, she had a podcast called Persistence. Persistence, yeah. But I think but it was it one of those podcasts that, yeah, that did, only got to uh, about 12 episodes and then fell over. Yeah, so I actually sent her a message recently asking her when she was going to kick it off again. And I can't remember exactly what she said. So, but – I loved it where I listened to your podcast. I listened to hers. I knew you were a bit further in front than what she was, but I knew that you were similar in what the messages you were trying to do. So I connect, I tried to connect the two of you together. And I get a real buzz out of doing that is, is, is helping people connect. It, it makes me feel good when I do that. So doing the podcast, yeah, it was probably um, – yeah, a bit it's of like, enjoyment for myself. Yeah, and it's like con- connection on a grand scale as well. It's like sitting here with you talking to me on on the show is I can connect you with um, all seven of my listeners. Yeah, and the, and the eight of mine might listen to it as yeah, well. We'll have yeah. 15 people in total actually listening to this at some stage, which is amazing. <laughs> it's it's and, pretty impressive. But what I like about it is, you know, like I – I can talk on my podcast, and if I had a book come out, I can I can mention my book, which is great. Mm. So then I know fifteen people will probably go and buy it. <laughs> and but if, yeah, but down the track, it's just one of those things that um, I think it's just a great it's a great medium of connecting with people. Yeah, like I I don't mind watching a short video, but once it goes past two or three minutes, I've lost attention, and I know that. Audio just seems to be a popular thing where people can listen to it. And they can listen to it while they're doing something else. Mm. So that was probably why I got into it, you know, to connect with people more, share information. And long term, you can sort of, if you do create a bit of a following or people are listening to your podcast, um, you can share your own information or, or what you're doing. If you have an event coming up or if somebody else has an event, you can actually promote it. So, oh, no, I think it's a great communication tool to to reach people yeah it is very cool tyson next question for you mate what is the next uncomfortable thing that you're going to do and why is it uncomfortable for you okay thing that's next i'm going to be speaking at an event in arizona um next week next week in arizona at business black ops so it's an event run by this guy uh, by the name Dave Freeze. He's actually on episode two of my podcast. He's a, a, just a communications expert. And I just threw it out. I said, oh, Dave, can I speak at your next event? And I was expecting him to say no. But he said yes. Now, it's only a small event. There's maybe you know, 40, 45 people there, but they are all really big, high performers. I mean, they're the best of the best at everything that they actually do. And to go to this event, you have to, you know, you, have, you can't just pay the money and go. You have to apply to go or somebody has to recommend for you to actually go to the event. And so now that he said, yes, I can speak, then he said, oh, and I have a topic for you as well. And I'm really comfortable with my own topics, but when somebody throws a different topic at me and he said, the theme of the event is called Escape. That's what the theme's going to be this year. So I want you to talk about 
Uh, I want your topic to be um, knowing when to sell your business or professional practice. So that's my topic. Extremely uncomfortable. Yeah, even though I sold my business last year, last August, and yeah, sold it for a good price, when I was talking to him at different times, he said, I've done what a lot of people just aspire to do, to actually get my business at a certain point where you can sell it for a really good amount and all of a sudden my time has now become extremely flexible that I can – I wake up when I want to wake up and I do things when I want to do it and I've just got so much more flexibility in my life. But I've got to do a talk on knowing when is the right time to do it and that because of the crowd that I'm talking to, I know there's people who are going to be sitting in that room that probably make, make five, ten times more than I've ever made in my life. And here I am in front of them telling them when you know <laughs> it's the right time to sell your business or professional practice. That it's pretty scary. Mm. That is pretty scary. I'm sure you'll I'm sm- sure you'll smash it though. Um that kind of leads into the next question actually, is we've talked a bit about it already, but when you're faced with an uncomfortable situation uh or experience, do you have any strategies that you use to approach them? Yeah, my first one is I try and look for a way to get out of it. Um, that's that's my that's my automatic reaction straight away. Yeah, people will ask me to do different things, and my my first immediate reaction is, "Oh, how can I get out of this?" Yeah, like it's always good to big talk. Yeah, I said before, yeah, when I did my bungee jump and parachuting, is because you tell them, "Oh, yeah, well, I'd love to do that," and then people go and buy it for you for your birthday, and that happens to me a lot where. Yeah, I want to be a public speaker, and and I'm okay at doing it. And once I get up there and get through that first couple of minutes, um, I think I'm not I'm not too bad. But it's that initial when people ask you, first thought in my head is, just say no, just say no, and then I go, yeah, okay, that's that's not a problem. So, how do I prepare myself? I picture myself in the moment doing really really well. So whatever it is that I'm going to do. No matter how uncomfortable it is, if it's it's getting up and doing a talk, or um, you know, I remember when I was playing rugby league, you know, at school, and it was full time hooter had gone. We had a penalty in front. We could have taken the two, and even the game up and had a draw. And for some reason, I went. I just pictured myself scoring a try. I I reckon I can take a tap, run through the whole team, and score a try here. And I was a captain, so I could do what I wanted. <laughs> I, I took the tap, ran through the whole thing exactly as it went in my head and scored on the pace and we won the game. Now, I look back and think that was the dumbest decision <laughs> that you possibly could have made, but that's just the way that I've done things. If if something is really uncomfortable, I pitch myself doing it and coming out the other end successful. And I'd say yeah, majority of times it actually does work that way. And I think if you can if you can picture yourself doing it, then then it means it's a possibility. So if somebody said to me now, "Oh, you're 51 years of age. We want you to go and play rugby union this weekend," because I switched over union when I was 28, that'll make you feel better. Um, that if somebody said now, "Oh, Tyson, you're 51. We know you haven't played for you know 15 years. We want you to come down this weekend, strap some boots on, just picture yourself running the length of the field and scoring under the post." I pitch myself getting to halfway and falling down, gasping for <laughs> air. So it doesn't mean that if it's 
just if it's an impossible situation that oh if you just imagine yourself coming out good it's going to happen it's going to be also be realistic yeah it's a it's a realistic challenge that you feel uncomfortable and you know you can come out the end if you prepare and do this so it's not about just picturing it either it's putting the work in and preparing to come out the other end the right way so when i said i'm going to do this talk in arizona even though in my head i pitched myself already up there doing it um getting a big applause afterwards when i'm done but i've still got to put the work in to get to that point in the first place or, or it won't happen mm. Yeah, I like that. That's a that's a great strategy to use if you uh, if you can't apply your first strategy of just getting out of it. Yeah, <laughs> strategy one. Can I get out of it? No. Okay, strategy two. Think positive. Yeah. Um, awesome, mate. I've got uh, actually. Where if people were uh, digging on what we're what we've been talking about and want to find out more about you, um, where can they go? How can they do that? Um, my website. TysonFranklin.com. That's yeah, but that usually that has where my podcasts are. It will have information about my book, um, different events that I'm running, a little bit about me, and I'm sort of in the process of rejigging it at the moment. So at the moment, it looks a little bit podiatry targeted because it was, but I'm slowly changing it to making it just more of a generalised business uh, web page. But people can find me on Facebook, just Tyson E. Franklin. On Twitter, I think I'm Tyson Franklin 2, I think. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Um, yeah, all the social media pages, I'm usually around somewhere. LinkedIn, you can find me. Cool. And we'll we'll link them all up uh, in the notes for the show as well. And if people are worried about a podiatry-style website, don't yeah. be – there aren't that many feet on it. Um, I've, I've had no a look. feet. And, yeah, I haven't seen any feet. Um, Tyson, I've got one more question for you, mate, um, but – before I ask it, I just want to say thanks very much for taking the time to sit down and have a chat with me today um, no, in, your, cool. in your flexible time. Um, but also I want to say thank you as well for uh, sharing a lot of super valuable information with people as well as, I mean, you have, you have gone and you have reviewed 365 podcasts and you have, you've summarized takeaway points. Um, and even the, the takeaway points that you've done, I think you did four of mine. You've taught me stuff that I didn't pick up in those podcasts as I was talking to people and as I was editing them. So, so much fantastic information and fantastic perspective from you. So thank you so much for, for sharing all of that. No, thanks for the feedback. Oh, you're, you're welcome, mate. Now, final question for you before we wrap up. Do you have a challenge to leave me and the listeners with this week? And it can't be that challenge that you gave me on your podcast either. Oh, that was funny. That, I've actually got that in the show notes as well, that you will be doing it. And I will I've, be. I've put it, I've put it in the show notes. So everybody needs to go to his podcast at the end of this year and keep him accountable. And if he hasn't done it, you need a boo and hiss. <laughs> yeah, yeah, give me like some one-star reviews. Um, a challenge for everybody. I would say once a week, block out time and spend it with your children. Just or spend it with your family. Just once a week. Just or once a month. Block out a day that has got nothing to do with work, nothing to do with technology, nothing to do with anything other than. Just your family, you know, like yesterday, yesterday, what's, what's today, Tuesday, two days ago, yeah, we went and picked, we went and picked strawberries at a strawberry farm up on the tablelands and then we went from there to a cheese factory, a cheese and chocolate factory and we ate cheese and tried chocolate and then we went to 
um, a coffee plantation, had some and drank some coffee. And it was a whole day event with some close friends. And I said to my wife, why don't we do this more often? Why don't we just, we've got so much around us, we need to just be blocking time out and just spending time just doing things. So that's, that's my challenge to everybody is once a month, block a day out and the day is purely for your family and nothing else. Awesome. That's a great challenge. Tyson Franklin, thank you for getting uncomfortable with me today. No, it was cool. It was it was um, it was fun. <laughs> and, uh, no, thanks for having me on the show. 